you can see the, the fish on the bottom. The, the lady kneeling, offering dish to the water, to the fish. I chose this spot here, right here, for the sculpture. The direction she's looking at the river. Hello, welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Leah Lem. And I'm your other host, Cole Primo. Mi Guich for joining us today. Native Lights is at its core a place for Native folks to tell their stories. Every week we have wonderful conversations with great guests from a whole lot of different backgrounds. These are musicians, artists, community leaders, doctors, healthcare advocates, you name it. And most, if not all, have a wondrous mixture of passions. And we talk to them about their gifts and how they share those gifts with their community. Uh, and it all centers around purpose in our lives and amplifying Native voices. So, Leah, what's going on? You know, not much. You know, just hunkering down, putting all the outdoor stuff inside and getting ready for winter. How about you? N nothing too crazy. I've, I'm working a night shift this week, so I'm like trying to become like a night owl person for just a brief period of time. Otherwise, <laughs> uh, you know, just chilling. But awesome. I know you have someone to present to us today. I do. I had the wonderful opportunity to talk with a great artist. So I just want to, I think we'll just pop right into this conversation today and um, talk about artist and sculptor Dwayne Goodwin. I went to Bemidji to chat with Dwayne, who is known to his friends as Dewey, and I got to see his art studio on his property, and he and his wife Bambi fed me lunch. So it was really good, really delicious. Also got some jam. It was just gorgeous. And guess what? When I arrived, Dwayne, he was um, like vacuuming up his studio, kind of like preparing, I think. And then he was like, oh, I just got off my horse. <laughs> He'd no been riding his horse around. Yeah. Uh, the property nice. before I got there. So it was just super picturesque. He's a really active person. He's been through quite a lot, and you'll hear more about that soon. And he has this new large sculpture that just had a ribbon cutting ceremony right here in Grand Rapids. And the celebration took place on Indigenous Peoples Day. The sculpture is called Oganawendan Nibi, and that means she is blessing spirits in the water. It was just really special to be able to talk to Dwayne, the artist, and see kind of the history and his his path to creating this particular sculpture. So I, I was really glad to be introduced to him. So this is not the first large sculpture by Dwayne. In fact, she has a sister also along the Mississippi River down in St. Paul. And we'll talk more about that in a bit but first, we're going to kind of start with Dwayne and his artistry. So his studio that I went to and the pieces, um, there's tons of stuff in his studio. Uh, it was actually really neat and organized and had all these sculptures in it of various sizes. I was trying to come up with <laughs> sizes to relate to here. And I thought of boom boxes and fruit bowls, like think of that sort of size range. Yeah. Yeah, and they're of animals and faces and different kinds of rock colors. And he also has paintings all over the walls, large and small paintings, drawings. 
There's all kinds of pieces here. He has a sculpture here of a woman's head about the size of a basketball. Here's one that's so close, I'd be done. I'm ashamed I didn't have it. In. How long have you been working on it? I started before my stroke, and I had it pretty well carved out. After my stroke, I couldn't carve nothing for about a year. So he was pointing at this sculpture that he was so close to being done with, and Dwayne told me he had his stroke in April of 2021. Then he also had heart surgery as well, and he had to work hard at getting back into being able to do his art again. I had these sculptures finished. It's just about finished. But I, I did have the energy and the confidence to work because at this end, I couldn't move my fingers. It was just not working right. And he really credits his grandson as being a big light of inspiration in helping him get back to his art. Dwayne spent the summer watching his grandson make knives, and that's his grandson's craft. <laughs> it's kind of cool. And it got him back into his own art. And he does all sorts of art, like I said. So here's Dwayne telling me about getting into art when he was younger, a bit of his path in his education. And, you know, he had kind of a tough time, understandably, which you'll hear uh, when he was going to school near Monoman. I started a long time ago. It's like 40, 50 years ago I started. I was young. I always liked art. I was a very creative mind. When I read little, I'd like to draw and color and all that. But schools didn't have much for art. Some teachers would incorporate some art opportunities, but not many. And so I got a fellow with a friend for a long time. I just didn't have no many to inspire me or mentor me. So I fell away for a long time. So I was about 17, 18, where I got back, started getting back to, into it. My wife was really into it, Pammy. She went to school at St. Louis Park where they had art, but she, she was always drawing, mainly drawing, and two was working with clay. So when I got got together with her, that she inspired me to pick up where I left off. Where did you grow up? Menoma, around Menoman. Okay. Right now they casino, but it was a really bigoted town, racist. Where we went to school, a lot of bigoted teachers. Some were even racist. One teacher would tell tell us the only way you want to come to school is to stay warm and neat. The only way you come to school is get a meal and to stay warm. You can take a shower in high school. It was a really cruel thing to say. There was a lot of teachers like that. Wow. They were bigots, you know. Mm-hmm. They care anything about our culture or who we were as people. They were not good teachers at all. I dropped out, went to California where my sister lived. Then I got into trouble, so the judge said, you gotta go back to school, get your GED, he said. That's my re- requirements for you, so you can make better life for yourself, stay, stay out of trouble. And then I applied for school on the Santa Fe Art Institute. 
had had a beautiful portfolio, but it was not for San Vicente have an interest in art. So I got ex- accepted in Santa Fe, Institute of American Indian Arts. So that's where I went to go to school. It was a really good school. A lot, a lot of art opportunities. Like I learned a lot down there. Learned how to draw better. Took a traditional class to learn how to beat and make things with my hands. Painting. I took all the classes. Jewelry, pottery, but sculpture was my main one. It's terrible that he had you know such an experience with teachers. Um, and you know, bigoted people around him during his youth. You can see why it's it was tough to continue that type of education, get a GED. But it seems like he's had mentors, and as he pointed out, a judge who have pushed him along the way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm so glad he's so forthcoming with his story on that. It's very powerful. You know, I wouldn't be where I am without mentors and people pushing me on the way. So just it's good to acknowledge that and to pass that on. Yeah, and I appreciate Dwayne so much. He doesn't shy away from sharing tough stuff. I mean, and it comes out in his work as well. So it's just really special. So Dwayne got his GED. He stayed out of trouble. <laughs> and then, he, as he said, he went to the Institute of American Indian Arts and was immersed in all sorts of art styles. And, of course, it's evident that he is particularly drawn to sculpture. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're hearing from artist Dwayne Goodwin. Dwayne is from the White Earth Nation and mainly works on sculptures. He lives just east of Bemidji. Like I said, I've been doing this this long time. It's my way of life. If I don't carve or do something with my hands, I don't feel right. So when I'm working with my hands, brings peace. I like to be versatile because sometimes I get that tired of the dust and hard work, so I do something that's easier work, like painting, doing beadwork. My wife said, you gotta quit doing this hard work. She can kill you, which is really been hard on me for my back and my joints. It's a yeah, hard work. Over the years, it's, it had to take control of my body. I cannot even imagine how tough it is to literally sculpt rock of any size. Yeah. So Dwayne has loads of tools in his well-organized studio that help him keep the stress and strain off of his body, but it's still tough. I guess I never really took into account how physically demanding this type of art style is just the toll it can take on your body. Um, but for him to be doing it as long as he, he's done it, it just goes to show how important it is to him. And he's been doing sculpture for a long time, and he told me how he got into doing these larger sculptures, like the one in Grand Rapids here. So imagine going from rocks that are hundreds of pounds to solid rock that are literally tons that's a lot. Yeah, like what? What does what does a seven ton rock even look like? It's, <laughs> it's hard to even imagine working with that and just approaching it. I will keep encouraging you to go check them out. <laughs> go yeah, check out the sculptures. <laughs> and anybody else who wants to know how such a large rock looks, you have opportunities all over Minnesota. 
So Dwayne got a start on these larger sculptures when an opportunity popped up with the Minnesota Rocks in St. Paul. And Minnesota Rocks was a public art project in 2006, and they put a call out for proposals to sculpt rocks. My niece heard about it. She let me know. She called me and said, Uncle, there's an opportunity in St. Paul for sculptors. You should apply, she said. It was international. I didn't feel confident how I could, how my work was good enough. So she said, Uncle, gotta try it. If you don't try, you never know. So I filled out a, a made a proposal, sent sent in my resume. I got, like, I got accepted. It was a really great opportunity. I've never carved big like that. I was scared to death. When I looked at the rock, it was seven and a half tons of rock. They had all these rocks donated by Minnesota rock quarries. It was limestone. It was a rock from a granite. It was really a hard rock from Lake Superior. So all Minnesota rocks. I totally understand how Dwayne feels. Sometimes we get these opportunities that we just don't feel prepared for. And yeah, I will remember this though when I think I have a big job to do. So Dwayne had to learn how to work with seven and a half ton rock. That's big. So Dwayne got the job along with over a dozen other sculptors. And they all got to use these Minnesota rocks, right? And that's that's really cool. Yeah, like what a special project. So this program also had the artists pick out their own locations around town where the sculptures would finally live. So they got to check out the locations and then get inspired from there. And after they went to all the the, the possible spots, Dwayne actually wasn't feeling any of the locations. <laughs> he, he wasn't vibing with them. And so he spoke up and talked to the director about it. I said, Christine, could I choose a site that's more appropriate for me? She said, what do you have in mind? She said, said cross from the barrier rounds or the wall mounds. I would like to have my sculpture. She said, go ahead, pick out a side market. Uh, okay, I could carve, put my sculpture there. So that's where she says now, looking towards the mounds. Very spiritual spot, people say. She's a nice big sculpture. She's about seven feet. She's a very calm, gentle lady, kneeling, holding a dish out for the spirits. She looks very dignified, gentle, there's a lot of strength. So that is where the sculpture lives. And as he said, her name is Sacred Dish. And she looks out towards the Indian Mounds Park. And if you want to see a large sculpture, I recommend checking it out. But I want to go back for a minute because getting to the final piece wasn't easy. Remember, this was Dwayne's first large sculpture. And, it, you know, the program was very supportive. The local and international community of Minnesota Rocks helped Dwayne get up and running. They had all the tools he needed like the diamond chainsaws and all of that stuff. That, mm. And also, the other artists even helped out. 
So I think this collaborative nature was really special. Minnesota Rocks, there was 14 carvers, three from Minnesota. I was one of them. Other 11 were from Italy, China, Japan, Mexico, Finland, Germany, all over. It was really cool working with the other sculptures. Some of them could speak English, so we had to kind of work to learn how to communicate with these other carvers. So it was really an educational opportunity for me because I never worked large like that. Never. I was so scared. But I had nowhere to start that big block. It was seven and a half tons. So I was struggling, trying to figure out how to approach this rock. I couldn't do it like I did my other one with an air hammer and, you know. This guy from uh, Cairo, he was Muslim, big guy, really big guy. He seen me struggling, trying to fi- figure out how to uh, cut the rock. He worked at the rock. So he, he came over for lunch, said, my friend, he always called me my friend. My friend, this is how you start, he said. I'll show you how to cut rock and break rock. So I had a big grid on the drawn on the rocks with my design. He, he started to show me. He says, this is how you do it. He, says, he had an angle grinder, a 10-inch angle grinder with a 10-inch blade, diamond blade. Took the guard off. He said, take the guard off. Gets it in the way. So he took that saw, made the first cut. He just smooth, could be, he was really good at it. He was pro, really a master at cutting and breaking rock. He said, I'll, I'll show you how to do it. So Dwayne learned from his new friend from Cairo how to remove these large chunks of stone from the rock. You know, because you gotta, you gotta remove those larger chunks before you can do the finer sculpting. Yeah. Just incredible. What an incredible opportunity. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're hearing from artist Dwayne Goodwin. Dwayne is from the White Earth Nation and mainly works on sculptures. He lives just east of Bemidji. So Dwayne learned how to sculpt large stone, and Sacred Dish would be his first of his current three large sculptures. And the next one would be at the University of Minnesota Morris over a decade later. But that would have to wait until Duane felt up to it. So Duane, like we mentioned, is very open about talking about the tough times that came up that have been you know, present in his life. And in 2016, Duane's art studio his, his previous art studio that he had was lost. I had a tragedy in 2016. My studio burned down. Lost everything. Everything. My tools, my rocks, all my memorabilia, everything. And lucky I had all my sculptures and a lot of my artwork in the storage. So I was no no artwork and seven all my kids grandkids trying they were well, they were my wallpaper <laughs> they, they did big drawings mm-hmm. uh, uh, still on the walls all over the 
kids, big, big drawings, big, big, big paper. So it was really cool studio and all kinds of stuff. Anyway, burned down in the spring of 2016, April 16th. I heard a boom when the studio sounded like a big boom. I was running out there, but the flames were coming out the door. It was too late. I watched the burn. That was the year Morris advertised for that sculpture job. Morris waited because they wanted me. Donors heard, heard of me, seen my work, my website. They wanted me to do the sculptures. So they waited for a whole year till I was strong and back on the feet. So I got this commission. So it was really lovely because Morris and the donors for the artwork waited for him to get back on his feet and his studio back up and running. And then they hired him. And this piece is really beautiful as well. It's a tragic and heartbreaking piece, but also strong and significant And as we know, Morris used to be a boarding school for Native kids, and Duane wanted to honor that. She has a lot lot of uh, meaning, a lot of spirit in the rock, a sculpture. Two children by her side. She's a big, strong grandma. I use a lot of women in my sculptures because of their mother, grandmas. They were like the backbone or people, I came up with this, this idea with the boarding school. The one boy on her right is pushing her into the grandma. He, he don't want to go back. He's dressed in the boarding school. Cool, so I, I researched how they dressed. So I made him look so, so close, like dressed like that. Then I took a pipe stone, put four buttons on it. Then a little girl, She's holding her grandma like this, tightly, really tightly, pushing her grandma, looking back. She don't want to go that way. So that's why she's looking back. You don't want to go the way where her brother's going. He's already went there. He has to go back. So she's looking back. Don't want to go there. The grandma, she has moccasins with pipes on the inlaid. Especially the necklace. That's a, you know that's another location I got to see. I mean, there's so many things I got to see mm-hmm. everywhere. Um, I you know I've yet to see the sculpture in person, but just the way he describes it, I you know I can I can feel myself there. It's just a powerful way to honor these sacred sites. Yeah, and then to have women be kind of the main image in this work is just really beautiful too. And there's also these pipestone inlays in the larger rock. And those are significant for Dwayne Goodwin's artistry as more than accent items. Um, Each of these large sculptures has this pipestone as a part of it. And I'll encourage you to get up close and see it. And each has this like teardrop shape pipestone inlay. And Dwayne mentioned that it represents trauma. And so there's this like shared teardrop trauma among all of these sculptures. And so they're all kind of connected. 
strong women as a central part um, with this trauma connection. As Dwayne mentioned, his artistry is so a part of him. It's a way of life for him, and working with his hands brings him peace. And tragedy and health issues pop up, and Dwayne keeps creating. Which brings us to when Dwayne and I met out along the Mississippi River at the Indigenous People's Day celebration for his latest sculpture, Oganawe Nun Nibi, She's Blessing Spirits in the Water. And so Grand Rapids, again, is the northern sister to the sacred dish sculpture at the Indian Mountains Park in St. Paul. And I also want to mention, it's really interesting how there's this relationship between the rock and water. Not only are these sculptures caring for water, the rock filters water. So there's these like million years old limestone that Mm. used to be like a filtering system for water as well to clean the water. So there's this whole like reciprocal relationship between the water and the rock. So here's Dwayne Goodwin at the Grand Rapids opening ceremony for Oganawe Nun Nibi. I had a stroke and triple bypass surgery a year ago. And uh, there was, there was a, this was a very big challenge for me to do this big, because this big piece of rock. But I know the, I know rock. So I know I could do it because I worked really hard to get back in shape over a year of therapy and working on getting my spirit up to do this big sculpture. It was a very big challenge, as you can see. But I worked with my nephews, two nephews. I relied on because they were my hands for me to carve this big piece. So it was a lot of work, a lot of, a lot of days that took a lot of effort to feel strong enough to finish a job. Anyway, you can see the, the fish on the bottom. There were a big part of this design. Then it laid in kneeling, holding offering dish to the water, to the fish. Uh, well, I, I chose this spot here, right here, for the sculpture. The direction she's looking at the river. So all summer long, I thought about what to name her. I did I come out with the name baby a couple of weeks ago. So her name is Ugana Winda DB, which means she's blessing water spirits, spirits in the water. The sculpture will be a living symbol of the strength of our Anishinaabe people. So I give this, this blessing in the sculpture to the city of Grand Rapids and the people. It was a blessing for me to work so close to the river this summer. Every day it was a beautiful spot to work. Dwayne Goodwin. Leah, thank you for presenting Dwayne Goodwin to us. I mean, it's really striking, you know, how much personality, talent, wisdom comes through as he's describing his work and, you know, its importance to him. So thank you. Yeah, miigwech. (laughs) 
So Dwayne Dewey Goodwin's art and information can be found on his website, deweygoodwin.com. And we have that linked in our show notes. And also you can see some photos I took at Dewey Studio on the episode page at minnesotanativenews.org. I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Giggawabman. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.